Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, we go through a number of miscellaneous Model 3 updates, including reservation count, battery providers, capital raising, and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. It's episode number 42 for May 22nd, 2016. And what can I tell you? I've, uh, I've had a bit of a frustrating week. It's, uh, it's sort of a just busy, stressful time at work, getting ready for E3, which is the Electronic Entertainment Expo, which is the, the sort of big time of year. It's always it's, it's difficult and stressful to prepare for, but then it's super fun when we get there. But I'll tell you, on the, on the Tesla front, on the Model 3 front specifically, I, I have been frustrated lately because I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to make this too personal to, you know, you, you're here for Tesla stuff, not for me. But, you know, maybe this applies to some of you. Maybe some people can relate to this. I don't know. But I just can't seem to get ahead financially with my, with my Model 3 goal. I have just not been able to save for this car and it's 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 causing me anxiety. It's stressing me out uh, because I'll tell you, every time something good happens, like a raise at work or or what have you, something else always seems to drag me back down. Whether it's recently I had to do a two thousand dollar clutch on my Infinity, you know that's an unavoidable thing. You can't not do that. I, I babied it for with a with a bum clutch for, I think, four or five months before finally giving in. Uh, and even that, like, you know, I, I managed to find a guy who was awesome, a, a third-party guy, because the dealer wanted $3,200. Or there's, you know, so there's something like that that comes up, or, you know, uh, I, I've been having some really stressful times with, with my good pal, who, you, you know, slash co-host, Maggie the Boxer, who had a, uh, I'll tell you real quick, had a... Uh, she fell down the stairs three months ago. And, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it because she popped right back up. She had, she had broken a couple of toenails in that fall. And, you know, she was favoring the, her, one of her rear legs for a while. And I, I thought, okay, well, I'll just keep an eye on this. And she, I, she did get a quick look at by the vet. And so they, they just kind of said, oh, it doesn't seem like anything's broken. Anything is obviously bad. Then I go to, anyway, three months later, she's starting to drag the foot a little, so it's clearly getting a little worse. Take her in to a neurologist, a veterinary neurologist, and they're telling me, well, it's, the short version is it, it could very well be a ruptured disc in her back, which is they wanted a $3,000 MRI and then a $7,000 potential back surgery from which she wouldn't recover. She would only be uh, kept where she was, so it wouldn't get any worse. So I couldn't, you know, I, I can't, I love this dog to pieces. This dog was with me during my divorce. This dog was like my rock for the only thing that made me, you know, that, that gave me comfort for years. And so, you know, I would try to do anything for this dog, but man, just 10 grand, that's, that. plus, I don't, you know, she's, she's almost 10. She's got a heart condition. I don't, I don't want to put her under anesthesia twice, including for a big surgery. So I was referred to a veterinary physical therapist who I saw last weekend, and and I almost broke down in tears with this with this uh, woman because uh, she told me after a thorough examination 
Like, look, I think this dog just has a sprained ACL in her knee. Then the, the problem seems to be at the knee. We can fix this. So that was a huge relief, but it's still, you know, that's, it's, it's going to be cheaper than 10 grand, but it's, you know, that we're in the middle of that now. And we're just getting started with some of the exercises and the rehab and stuff. And so that's been stressful. But, but then I'll tell you, even my, you know, I've told you about how my, my wife, she didn't, you know, she's not actively <laughs> against me in this, but you know, I've told you before, I've sort of opened my heart a little about how she's, uh, she's very, not not on board with buying. She, you know, she doesn't think anyone should ever spend more than the bare minimum possible on any car. So you know, I I, I don't really get any encouragement in this in this Tesla dream of mine there. Uh, and and even my father-in-law this week, who you know he likes to rib me about Tesla stuff and and just just he's 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 a he's got got kind of that sense of humor and um, you know he, he's a great guy overall. But he's emailing me this week. Saying, oh, you know, are you sure? Is it a? He's he saw a Tesla. He saw a Model S on a flatbed, uh, on, on, attached to a Tesla service truck, uh, out where he has a, a summer home. And he's thinking, you know, do you really want to be buying one of these things? But you know, at the at the beginning of the production, when uh, they they haven't been able to scale up, you know, what about the dealer, the service network, all this stuff, and. And it's, you know, I know he meaned well. He's not trying to bring me down, but it's just like, man, it's just, I just can't, maybe it's just been a tough week, you know, but I just can't seem to get ahead. And I don't, I can't, I just can't seem to get anybody in my life who is super encouraging about the goal. Now, on the plus side, I am the kind of person that gets laser focused on my goals and then I just don't quit until. I've locked onto them like a Gila monster and won't let go. And then I either accomplish the goal or it just be, it's proven completely impossible. Uh, it's just, man, I'll tell you, I just wish I had more people in my life actively cheering me on rather than, you know, either sitting there sort of indifferent or, or, you know, throwing little digs in whether they intend to or not. So it's been, it's been a little frustrating lately, but, uh, you know, the, I tell you, your calls, your emails go a long way. You know, last time I sort of opened my heart a little bit with this, uh, I got so much, such an outpouring of support from, from people. It was so re-encouraging. But, you know, I, the, the quest goes on. You know, I, I forge ahead toward the Model 3. And, uh, but it's just, yeah, I just can't seem to get any additional savings beyond what I already have stashed away from, from selling my DeLorean several years back. Uh, you know, I took some of that and put it into a Tesla fund and a little bit here and there. But man, it, you know, I just, I'm just nowhere near my ultimate goal here, which is, you know, as you know, it's at the very least a nicely equipped big battery dual motor Model 3. But, it, you know, my ultimate goal, and I'm, you know, I'm a guy, I, I want to push for the, the ultimate goal, and that's the, that's the fully loaded performance Model 3, I'll get the car sooner, so we'll see. I mean, there's a long way to go, but man, I wish I wish I could be saving more. But enough whining by me, let's get to why we're all here. And that, my friends, is Tesla. Let's talk a little Model 3. This week is full of uh, just a handful of updates, little updates, that sort of piece together to help form the larger Model 3 picture. The first update being... 
Model 3 reservation holders, of which I am one, of which many of you are one, we've got an update on that front from Tesla. We now know that there are approximately 373,000 of us. Now, you'll recall that uh, uh, Diarmond O'Connell uh, at, a, at a conference that we, we actually, I ran audio of this, what, maybe a month or so ago now, had said they're approaching 400,000, meaning not quite 400,000. We now know through a, a filing by Tesla that we've had, they've, uh, they've had, I'm just using the royal we, I, tend, I have a weird habit of doing that, 8,000 people have canceled their order. Now, if that seems high, remember, that's 2% approximately, a little over 2%. That's pretty negligible in the grand scheme of things. While Tesla themselves have canceled another 4,200 reservations because they suspect that those are duplicates made by speculators, people wanting to buy multiple cars and then immediately turn them around for a profit. Now, interestingly in this, Tesla threw down what I would call a bit of a humble brag <laughs> here. They said, quote, if we wanted to, we believe that we could further increase the number of Model 3 reservations with minimal effort, but believe it is better to guide customers to purchase products currently in production. In other words, please buy a Model S, or if you feel so inclined, a Model X as well. Now, recall if, if you were to, uh, I, I hear from a number of listeners every week uh, who are new, you know, new people all the time, and some of them, some of the awesomely crazy ones have gone back and binged all of the old shows. If you were to go back to just before the Model 3 reveal, uh, I, I predicted something on the order of, I think I, think I had said 50,000 reservations in the first 24 hours, and that proved to be wildly inaccurate on the conservative side. You know, they, of course, the, the, they were way, way higher than that. My thought now, if, if we're sitting at about 373, and I'll tell you, remember, it's less than two months since the reveal. Here, as I, I record on May 20th, the show is going up on May 22nd, and we're at 373K. I got to figure 400,000 is likely by year's end. And then, you know, it might, it might stay quiet for a while, you know, because if there's not a lot of press, uh, if they're not, you know, showing off really new things about the car. But I figure by the time part two of the reveal rolls around, where they're going to show the interior, the final interior, whether, you know, the, of course, maybe there's a HUD we're all speculating about. I'm not saying a HUD is going to sell cars, but just, you know, whatever this final interior package is that has controls like a spaceship, and whether the car is fully autonomous, as I have speculated and others have speculated, I would think that they'll clear 500,000 reservations shortly after part two of the Model 3 reveal. And maybe they could even sniff a million by the time the first cars are getting ready to be delivered, you know, as that last push of enthusiasm and excitement and just palpable, palpable joy and, and anticipation for the car builds. I wonder if it could get close to a million. So we'll see about that, and uh, take a. Let's start. Stop here. Take a quick phone call. Mike in Lagrange calling in about whether you should buy a high power wall connector. Now I've taken a call about that. I've given my opinion on that, uh, and he also he also uh, chimes in on my suggestion of making a game for yourself 
insofar as waiting for the Model 3. So, Mike, I turn it over to you. Hey, Ryan, it's Mike here again uh, from LaGrange. Just uh, calling about a uh, couple of comments that, uh, over the last couple of weeks, the first of which is about, you know, saving up for uh, possibly saving money now or, or, or go ahead and dropping the money on a charger now versus doing it when your car arrives. Um, the I don't know if you noticed the new power walls that they just released uh, are significantly cheaper than the old ones. I'm sorry, not power wall, but uh, connector, wall connector. Um, the the five, the one with the eight and a half foot cord is five hundred dollars, and the one with the twenty four foot cord is five hundred fifty dollars. That's down from seven hundred fifty dollars uh, for the last one, so it makes the wall connector cheaper than the uh, UMC. So if you were thinking about doing, uh, you know, leaving your UMC at the house and, and buying another one to put in the car, uh, this is actually a cheaper solution now uh, and potentially a better one. Uh, also a new, I believe it's a new feature in these, is they can now be networked together um, so that they can share the same power source and sort of schedule charging. So if you have multiple Teslas, uh, you can plug them all in at the same time without needing to double the capacity of the circuit. So that's pretty cool. Um, then, uh, and the other thing is to note that it, it was current, the last time I checked, it was showing five weeks out. Uh, for delivery on on those wall connectors, so that could be something to keep in mind. You know, as you know, hundreds of thousands of Model Threes go out. You know, if they don't quite anticipate the production needs for that part, you know, if you order at the last minute, you may be out of luck because uh, they're out of stock. Um, and then the the uh, second comment was just about uh, trying to make the wait for Tesla fun. Uh, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I, a lot of the things you say ring true. So super excited to be getting the car earlier, but then sort of terrified that it's coming earlier because uh, now i got to ramp up my uh, financial situation here to pay for the car. So, <laughs> But uh, in terms of making it fun, you know, make a game out of it, I've already started doing that and uh, sort of using the achievement system, uh, like for Xbox, you know, just making up some achievements, uh, for example, like opening a Tesla savings account, uh, you know, saving your first thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever kind of numbers there are appropriate for you. Uh, and another achievement idea is the first time you put money in your savings account instead of doing something else, you know, instead of buying that game or going to some sporting event or something, the first time you do that put that in your Tesla account instead of spending money on it, you know, in achievement. So, so anyways, Ryan, uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, Mike, for the call. And I will, I will say, uh, just uh, be careful calling in from the road. You can, <laughs> it's not, remember, it's a 24 hour, seven day a week hotline. You don't necessarily have to call in from the road. If you do, make sure you're using a hands-free solution of some sort. I know it's not illegal to talk on a cell phone with it, you know, with it in your hand, in every state. It is here in California, but uh, just be careful out there. I wouldn't want you to get hurt on account of calling into this podcast. Anyway, a great note on the high power wall connector there, Mike. There could, you know, what you point out is that the closer the Model 3 gets, there could be a huge run on them. 
particularly maybe once the design studio opens and people know, you know, how much money they're looking at for their specific configuration. So you're really, you make a good point about that adds to the case to maybe consider buying one now. If you feel so inclined, you want to get your first piece of your Model 3 installed, you can look at it every day in the garage, count the days down. Uh, also, by the way, I love that you're gamifying this. I love that you've created achievements for yourself. Uh, so I'll say, uh, yeah, do you, I wonder, when you, when you accomplish them, do you say, do you actually say out loud achievement unlocked? Because I think you should. <laughs> In fact, you should make a shirt for yourself at the end when you get your car. And heck, I have a little t-shirt business. Maybe I'll do it. It'll be uh, maybe like achievement, you know, that, that the little oval, the long, you know, horizontal oval. They can say achievement unlocked, bought my dream car. When, uh, problem is you can't, can't use the Tesla logo because uh, Tesla owns that and they probably wouldn't be too happy about its unauthorized use on a shirt. But uh, another fun thing, actually, I meant to mention this at the top. I apologize. I totally skipped by this in my notes. Uh, I want to mention that the uh, Model 3 reservation holders, such as myself and probably yourself, if you take a look in your My Tesla page right now, you'll notice that it's been given an ever so slight update. Instead of just listing your reservation number, you now also get a very pretty rendering, a side profile rendering of a blue Model 3, which we have not seen the car in blue, of course, in real life as of yet. And in fact, the rendering that's on there is probably not a real photograph. It's sort of a design studio, you know, Photoshop job. Uh, if, but nevertheless, the car, I gotta say, looks very nice in, the, in what appears to be the Tesla ocean blue, that metallic blue. Uh, and in fact, on that note of Photoshopping Model 3 colors to get a vague idea of what they look like, I want to give a shout out to Chris Bale, who emailed me to let me know that he made a really cool mock-up of a Model 3 design studio. I encourage you to check this out. It's a, it's a great little thing. Spend a couple minutes on there. The website is model3config.com. That's Model 3, the number 3. And I have to say, as I had dreamed, the Model 3 looks mighty sharp in signature red. I, I want it so much. I mean, I'll believe me, I'll be happy with that gorgeous multi-coat red. But man, signature red, take a look at it on Chris's Model 3 config website. It looks really good in sig red. Uh, just reminds me, it just bums me out that I probably won't be able to get it because even if it were to somehow be offered, you know, my my suggestion to Elon, who I almost certainly has not heard this show and doesn't listen to it, but my suggestion was, hey, Elon, everybody that ordered on March 31st, everybody whose order is timestamped March 31st, give us access to Signature Red in the design studio as sort of the early adopter badge, you know, like so when our cars are driving down the road and it's a signature red car, you can look at that car and know that guy or girl, that person is an early adopter. They were in on day one for this car. That's what I'd like to see. But if Tesla does happen to offer it, the more likely scenario 
is that it'll be made available to Tesla employees who of course have first dibs on the car or maybe even and or current Tesla owners who uh, of course also get priority. But in any case, so uh, good stuff from Chris Bayall, model3config.com on that. Our next news topic here this week, for those of you who've been curious about a Tesla truck and recall that uh, Elon and Tesla themselves haven't shied away from the fact that a truck may very well be in the company's future. The chief technology officer, J.B. Straubel, spoke on the topic at the International Transport Forum in Leipzig, Germany this week, and listen to what he had to say about a possible Tesla truck. Um, from, from just a pure technology point of view, you know, everything that, that we've done on vehicles you know, translates directly into trucks. You know, there's no reason that you can't today make a very compelling electric truck you know, that can charge in the same sort of times as a, as a Model S, as one of our you know, passenger vehicles, and have the same economy of operation. Um, you know, it, it hasn't, you know, that sector, I think, hasn't seen the same, you know, type of innovation. It, it, it's a bit more conservative, and, you know, obviously people don't want to take risks on, you know, the, the end business, which is to move, a, you know, kilogram from A to B. Uh, you know, but I, I think we will see that coming back. Um, especially, you know, perhaps as, you know, fuel prices, you know, tend to, to rebound. And, you know, there was a lot more interest in this a few years ago as, you know, fuel prices were much higher. Um, and then we've seen kind of the interest, you know, start to wane. Whereas in the passenger space, um, you know, there's been more of a sustained interest. But it, it will definitely happen, and I think, you know, quite soon. Good stuff from JB there. I, I've got to think that the truck would probably come either after Model Y and before Model 4, or maybe at, right after Model 4. Because again, I, I feel like the truck stuff could depend on, or could really be the, uh, getting the cost down. Because trucks are going to need massive battery packs because they weigh so much more and they need to haul things that, of course, weigh a lot as well. So I wonder if full Gigafactory production plus... Uh, just cell chemistry advancement might be needed. So I wonder if we might need a new generation of battery from uh, from Gigafactory that the same kind that would theoretically be going into the Model 4, which will be a, you know, a smaller, compact-sized car. So we shall see, but it definitely seems to be on Tesla's agenda. Now, on the topic of batteries, there's Panasonic, who, of course, is currently Tesla's primary supplier, at least for the time being. They have uh, issued a statement this week saying they were asked about whether or not they could keep up with Tesla's brand new, very, very, you know, uh, aggressive production plan, you know, to get to 500 total, 500,000 total cars in two years from now instead of four. And uh, Panasonic went ahead and issued a statement on that that said, quote, we will do our best to move up the schedule if requested according to Panasonic's head of automotive and industrial systems division, uh, Yoshio Ito. He told reporters this during a briefing. He now, he declined to comment on whether or not he thinks that Tesla's very optimistic production goals are achievable. He said, quote, we just don't want to be a bottleneck, he said, which is probably a really polite way of saying, we don't want to get caught with our pants down because if we're not ready, Tesla's going to go somewhere else, and then we're going to have a huge contract, a huge partner that is 
that says, bye, <laughs> see ya, we're hitting the road. Uh, so smart on Panasonic to be, you know, very ready for to, to, uh, to be at Tesla's beck and call for whatever battery uh, demands that they might have. On a similar note, this, this, by the way, comes on the heels of, I don't know if these things might be related in some way, but this comes on the heels of Tesla approaching LG Chem, Samsung SDI, and SK Innovation as part of its strategy to diversify its battery sourcing channels beyond Panasonic, according to, that is a quote from the Korea Times. Uh, Follow-up quote, Tesla executives recently visited key research centers at LG Chem, Samsung SDI, and SK Innovation, holding work-level meetings with all of them. Again, smart on Tesla's part. They don't want to see Model X-style mistakes repeated where a supplier couldn't come through, and so they were left with a delayed production situation. You know, uh, so there's, this is them. This is basically not only their insurance policy in case anything were to go wrong with Panasonic, but it's also probably just smart business on Tesla's part to, you know, you know, you maybe want uh, to uh, flirt with a couple of other companies to let the, the company you're in business know that, hey, I'm still, I'm still desirable. You better work hard to keep my, my interest and attention. Uh, let's go now to Richard from up in Ontario, who lives in a condo and uh, has, is having some difficulties trying to get his Model 3 charging situation resolved, hot on the heels of our last call about, uh, about the high-power wall connector. So, Richard, I turn it over to you. Hi, Ryan. It's Richard Olette calling from Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Um, listen, I've got, I've got a question. I bought one of the Model 3s. I live in a condo, and I'm trying to get the condo on board with the charging station, but they're like telling me that this charging station has to be run to my second, I live in, I have the uh, second level underground parking, so I have to run the electrical from the first floor down to uh, my floor. I have to pay for consent to use their wall because I don't own the wall in the parking spot. And then I got to pay $2,000 for a meter, $3,500 for the charger, and about $6,000 for the wiring. And I'm wondering if anybody else is having this same problem with condominiums. I'd really like to hear people's feedback on that. Thank you. And I love your show. Thanks. Richard, that is a tough situation that you find yourself in. Uh, So what I will do for you is first invite others to call in and uh, see if if anybody has any tips to help you out. But for my two cents, what I can suggest to you is to head on over to, again, the wonderful website, the teslamotorsclub.com forums. And I would suggest visiting both your regional section. There is a Canada regional section on there for sort of Canadian questions, community, and etc. You could go post a question in there about this to see if anybody in your region has had any you know, specific experience with building managers in, in uh, your area in Ontario or electricians that they might be able to help, you know, that po- they can point them your way to maybe you can use them to, ho- to help convince your, your building management. Or, I, I, well, and or, I should say, I, I would also recommend checking out the 
Charging Standards and Infrastructure subforum on the Tesla Motors Club website. You may find uh, a thread already there about about your you know a similar situation, or you could of course make a post there, make a new thread, and see if you can get any help from the folks there about about uh, any advice they may have to help you with your situation. But I just want to say I, I hope that you'll have some sort of positive recourse for this short of actually moving, because that's of course the ultimate recourse is to move, <laughs> to just not live there anymore. Uh, but of course, moving is a uh, one of the one of the most painful, difficult things, uh, at least most life altering and and uh, life disrupting things you can do. So certainly not a uh, not an ideal scenario that you find yourself in. I hope you're able to to negotiate a, uh, a, a steady and agreeable way out of it. Now, if you've noticed a common theme in the news this week, which is Tesla getting all of its ducks in a row, to prepare for Model 3 manufacturing, then I would say that you've got a keen eye. That is sort of the theme of this week's show. And on that note, here's one more big piece of the puzzle. As previously outlined by Elon and Tesla, the company is now going to sell $1.4 billion in stock in order to raise capital for the new, more aggressive Model 3 production goal. Tesla is going to sell... 6.8 million shares, or up to 8.24 million if underwriters exercise their options. This is a quote now from uh, Tesla's filing on this. Tesla is offering about $1.4 billion of shares with the remaining shares to be sold by Elon Musk to cover tax obligations associated with his concurrent exercise of more than 5.5 million stock options. Some of those are going to charity, by the way. About 1.2 million of them are heading charities away, so that's cool. On a net basis, Mr. Musk will increase his overall Tesla shareholdings through these transactions. So if it looks in any way like Tesla, like Elon is uh, is sort of like um, you know cashing out a little bit or or you know d- doing anything that looks like he's that's that he's not showing confidence in the company, it's actually the direct opposite. So, uh, th- you know, it's all, it's always complicated with these things, but ultimately he is in fact upping his stake in the company. That is everything for this week in the news. We've got a good handful of callers once again waiting for you right after this short little break. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in, be heard on the show, participate, interact with your fellow Tesla community members, uh, chime in with topics, etc. And in fact, on that note, I remind you that if you've got a question, a comment, or a discussion topic for the podcast, you can call the hotline anytime. It's a toll-free number. You can call it or Skype it, and it is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know somebody special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is Tom out in Raleigh, North Carolina, who has a question about EV road taxes as well as the Model Y. Tom, go ahead. 
Hey, this is Tom from Raleigh, North Carolina. I was wondering if you guys have addressed the uh, issue of states charging electric vehicles for a road tax, whether that would be by the number of miles driven per year or, you know, how much they charge them at a charging station. And uh, I'm wondering if you've heard any rumblings about that. Um, I think I've heard North Carolina was was mumbling over that and to pay for their roads since we don't buy gas. And I also wanted to know is the Model Y the hatchback version of the Model 3, and uh, is that something that might that may or may not come out? I noticed the Model 3 is five inches wider, five inches longer than my Prius, and that would really be a nice uh, upgrade to what I'm using now to haul around all my stuff. But the hatchback utility is just uh, really something I'm looking forward to on a Tesla, um, you know, being able to haul two by two by fours and, and things like that. Although I don't know if I'd do it in a brand new Tesla, but it'd be nice to have the hatchback utility uh, in that car. But uh, anyway, thanks. Enjoy the show and uh, take care. So I looked it up, Tom, and it turns out North Carolina EV owners are getting charged a $100 annual fee for what is effectively the road tax that you mentioned that goes towards road upkeep and maintenance that, of course, uh, internal combustion engine cars pay for through gasoline taxes. Now, as for Model Y, Elon has stated that that car is the SUV slash crossover vehicle basically the mini Model X, so not quite a Model 3 hatchback. But remember, the Model 3 sedan's trunk opening may be getting a, a bit bigger, according to those tweets that Elon made after the March 31st reveal event, when uh, one of the things that people were very concerned about was the lack of a hatchback, because everybody loves that on the S, they love the utility of it, but, uh, and Elon said that they were looking into the trunk situation. In fact, as you recall, he replied to multiple people about that very same thing, which to me indicated that he's very much taken it to heart and is taking it seriously and is doing something about it. Now, you know, again, I wouldn't expect the car to magically become a hatchback because of that large uh, glass design, that piece of glass that goes from the, you know, that sort of top... Uh, roof line all the way down the back of the car. So, but I, I would think that the the opening for the trunk in in the three is in, is going to be substantial. Uh, is it going to be a hatchback? No, but but just keep your eye on it. So it, it might not uh, it might suit your needs in the at the end of the day. Just uh, we'll have to wait probably for part two of the reveal to get an ultimate answer there. Next up, Mike in Charlottesville, Virginia, lives in a state where front license plates are required, as do I. And he has a really, really good question about that that I hadn't thought about before. Mike, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Mike Goldstein from Charlottesville, Virginia. Now, my one concern is that I live in a state where front license plates are required for the car. So with that being said, the aerodynamics of the Model 3, will that cut into aerodynamics of the vehicle? Will the front license plate make the range worse? That's really my only question. Uh, keep doing good work. I appreciate everything and uh, good work. Wow, that is a fantastic 
question, Mike. I, I love that question. I hadn't even thought of that. You know, the, the whole thing, that sort of blunted nose of the three has been, you know, somewhat controversial in the uh, amongst Model 3 reservation owners in the Tesla community. And the f- availability, or rather the, the necessity in some cases, of a front license plate, is that going to have a tangible effect on the car's aerodynamics? Because recall that it is a a very, very low 0.21 drag coefficient, which is just among the lowest in the world for a, a mass-produced car. Now, uh, I, I didn't think this was a question that Tesla PR could answer for me. This one felt like an Elon Musk question. So on your behalf, I went ahead and tweeted Elon in the faint hope that he might A, see the question in the first place, because, you know, you kind of got to catch the guy when he's paying attention to Twitter. It's not like he's on there all that much, from what we can tell. And B, that hope that, that Elon would be intrigued enough by the question to answer it. Uh, I would think, it, unfortunately, by the way, I, was, I am to, as yet unsuccessful with that, um, which I expected. But, you know, you never know. You, you don't know unless you try, right? You have to try. Put it out there. So I tried tweeting it at him, and maybe I'll try again at some point if I, maybe if I happen to be on Twitter at the same time that I notice he's posting stuff, or rep- you know, posting or replying to things, maybe I'll try again. But that is an absolutely fascinating question. I would think that it wouldn't have a tangible effect. It, it, it has to have some sort of effect, but I, I would think it's a very, very small, negligible one. But... Uh, I'm also no engineer, so I'm basing that on absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm a words guy. I'm a communications guy. Uh, I am not to be. I am not to be taken seriously in the field of aerodynamics. But uh, you know, you could just do what I'm going to do, which is quite simply run afoul of the law. Uh, I live in California, which is also a state that requires front license plates. But you know what? I've, I made my decision a long time ago. There is zero chance, zero chance that a front plate goes on any Tesla that I own. I didn't put one on my DeLorean because there was no way I was going to ruin the front of that car. That is a special car. It's not made anymore. There are brackets you can get that, that, that mean you don't have to drill into the front fascia, the front bumper of the DeLorean, but it just looks horrible. The, the beautiful DeLorean, uh, it was never meant to have a front plate. And in fact, you know, I, I always get a little sad when I see Model S's on the road here in California that do have front plates because it, it, I really just think it takes away from the beautiful, aggressive look of the car. In fact, today, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've continued to see, I was in LA this week on business. I saw one Model X there. Uh, in fact, what's weird is, I would say the most common Model X I've seen configuration I've seen so far, and this is a small sample size, has been the dark gray, the whatever it's called, the metallic gray, uh, with the dark, the, the onyx black wheels, which is a nice combination. But that's that's what I saw in LA too. But uh, I happen to see an X uh, in not too far from from my office, uh, going in the opposite direction. So it was coming coming my way, you know, coming at me. And it had a front plate on, and it just just really just nerfs the front end of that car. And I really feel like the Model 3, with just all of that 
just that space there, that, that uh, you know, no, no grill, no nose cone. A plate is just not, not going to look super great in my humble opinion. And uh, now some of you may live in areas where you just know the police are going to come for you. Like they will, if they see you, they are going to pull you over and give you a ticket. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a spot here where, at least here in the Bay Area, Northern California, I, it is the law to have a front plate, but I see lots and lots of cars that don't have them. So I knock on wood. I'm actually knocking on my wood desk. Uh, I'm not too worried about it, but I'm just not going to do it anyway, even if I get a fix-it ticket or two. I'm just not going to do that to my car. Now, you know, I, I, I would not... That is not me advocating that you do it. I am merely putting it out there as an idea. I, I would never uh, advocate breaking the law. <laughs> That's, let me make that abundantly clear right now. But, uh, in fact, I'll just add that if any of my listener, listeners happen to be uh, CHP officers, please think kindly upon the hours and hours of Tesla information and entertainment that I have given you through this podcast if you happen to pull me over and you see that my Model 3 does not have a front license plate on it, please be, uh, be merciful. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put one on. And, uh, but yeah, you're, you know, your area, you may feel differently about it. You may not be comfortable with that. Or you may just know that you are going to get pulled over and you're going to get hit for it uh, by, the, by the police if, if you don't uh, do one. But yeah, I got to figure that the front license plate is neg- has a negligible effect on the aerodynamics of the car. But I've asked Elon, and we'll see. You never, you never know. I could get an answer. All right, let's move on to Josh from up in Bloomington, Minnesota. He's a new listener. Welcome to the show, Josh, who has what I think is a fantastic suggestion for future Tesla software. Josh, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Josh Leonard here from Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, great job on the podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it over the last few weeks. One of my friends turned me on to it, and I can't get enough uh, exposure to the, the Model 3 news um, and also just kind of keeping up with Tesla, SpaceX, and, and the likes. Um, so a lot of hype and fanfare about the Model 3 and, you know, the options, the wheels, the colors, the size of the car, the interior, the range, the battery, all those different things, which are all great things. But one of the awesome aspects to me uh, being a software architect is the software, the role of the software in in the Tesla vehicles. And I think I have have young kids and I'm looking 10, 12 years down the road when they start driving. um, I hope that Tesla is thinking about instead of just performance upgrades about profiles, family profiles, that kind of thing. Like, you know, ideally mom and dad would be administrators on the car and the kids have their own login, almost like a windows laptop or a PC. Right. Um, I can limit certain performance aspects of the car and feel safe that my kid isn't going to go out and get themselves into trouble with, you know, a car that has way too much power for them. Um, I know Teslas are the, the safest cars on the road, and that's one of the reasons we look at that for our family car. But, you know, if we could have some type of control, not to be too big brotherish, but, you know, some type of reasonable control over the car with software, that'd be great. I think that's what we're lacking in the auto industry is that type of stuff so far. I mean, having the radio disabled until you plug your, until you turn your seatbelts on or whatever, that, that seems pretty, pretty lame attempt to me. 
Um, anyway, so really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. Um, would love to chat more and I'll keep listening and hope to get on the show again sometime soon. Take care. This Josh is a fantastic idea. Just, I love this. Now the good news is there is something sort of like this that already exists. And in fact has existed since the roadster, although it didn't exist on the S for a while, but they have since added it in. So now that the Roadster, the S and the X all do have this, and that's valet mode. You can lock the car or, uh, well, you, you can, uh, put in a key code. You can effectively turn on valet mode makes you put in a key code, a keypad code. And what it does is while that code is in, is active, while the car is locked away in valet mode, it cuts the power of the car in half so that nobody can unleash all of its horses, which if you have a performance model is going to be of particular relevance to you, but really any Tesla, uh, that's, that's going to be a significant thing. So that is one thing that you could use to, uh, help keep your teenage drivers in check in your household. But your idea of taking it even further than that is a great idea, and I hope Tesla is listening, particularly as more and more affordable Tesla models come out and get into more and more families' hands. By the way, you should, uh, speaking of tweeting at Elon, you should absolutely tweet this at Elon. As I said, your chances of him seeing it aren't particularly great, but you never know, and he has said before that he welcomes feedback, he welcomes suggestions on Twitter, so... I would throw it his way. Give him an at Elon Musk and, and uh, throw that his way and see, see, you never know. Hopefully he'd at least see it. You know, you, you can't, again, you never know if you don't try. Next up is Seth from Washington wondering, he's got a, he's got a, an, a cool idea of his own. So I wanted to let him throw it out there. Seth, take it away. Hi, my name is Seth from Pasco, Washington. Uh, just started listening right after reserving my Model 3 uh, when the announcement was made. Um, this is my thought. So Tesla is now uh, software restricting some of the batteries on the new Model, on the model S. Um, what if they did the same thing with Model 3, um, but done a little differently? Instead of a one-time fee, what if you could pay for, say, like vacation mode for like 100 bucks for a week and get access to supercharging and full capacity of the battery um, while you're on a road trip or on vacation, something like that, rather than pay, you know, three grand to unlock an extra five or 10 kilowatts or whatever. Um, I figure this could open a new, new or another revenue stream for Tesla and um, let people not worry about range anxiety sort of things when they're on a longer trip. Anyway, I'd love to hear your comments on that. And thanks for doing a great podcast. I'll tell you what. Uh, This is why that I feel this podcast has continued to get better as it's gotten bigger, as, as I've gotten been lucky to get more and more listeners. It's because more and more of you listen, so there are more and more of you smart people out there, and more and more of you call in with awesome ideas like the last two callers, Seth and Josh. Uh, this is a fantastic idea, Seth, because not only... Is it a potential new revenue stream for Tesla, as you suggest? But it's also, and it's something that no other automaker can do because, of course, the way that every other car is made. But 
It also same, serves the same purpose as the free autopilot trial that they're running right now. It lets people live with the features that they're trying out and thus makes them more likely to go ahead and get used to it and love having it and thus pay for the permanent unlock. Uh, you know, how about this? Uh, just as an example, maybe you bought a performance car, but not, you, you didn't spring for ludicrous. But assuming all of the uh, Inconel uh, fuses, assuming all the hardware is there on every performance model, ludicrous or not, the way it is with the X, maybe you can pay $200 to rent ludicrous mode for 24 hours so that you can take the car to the track for a track day. How awesome would that be? That would be cool. That would be super cool. So, Seth, I love that. Fantastic stuff. Finally, in the hotline this week, let's go to Pete from Carmel, Indiana, who uh, wanted to check in on Tesla's competitors and just in general where everybody else stands in the, uh, in the I don't want to call it an EV race because it's kind of a one-company race, but in the, in the uh, Elon's goal to EVify the automotive world. So, Pete, the floor is yours. Hello, this is Pete from Carmel, Indiana. I was just curious about the competitors that are popping up in the same uh, space as Tesla. I understand there's a company called Faraday, which apparently uh, either has built or is building a large plant, um, also in Nevada and another company called Lee Echo, I believe, and they're both companies that are apparently funded by some Chinese billionaires. I'm not sure if the Chinese government is involved at all, but there clearly seems to be a push to compete in the same space as Tesla. So I'd be interested to hear your opinion uh, on that topic and, and what kind of insider information you may have. And on that same note, I'd also wonder where are the other major car companies like BMW, Mercedes, Audi, et cetera, how far along are they um, in their ability to compete with Tesla? I suspect they're pretty far behind given the, uh, the fact that uh, Tesla started from scratch. Uh, they're not having to retool. And uh, I suspect for the pre-existing companies that there's going to be some serious uh, inertia that they're going to have to overcome to be able to catch up. But uh, certainly the Chinese um, contingent uh, may be able to give Tesla a run for its money and get up uh, and running pretty quickly. So anyway, enjoy the show. I'd like to hear your, your thoughts and comments on this. Thank you. All right, Pete, let's, let's roll through here. So Faraday is, for the time being, I don't want to get too down here, but for the time being, Faraday is vaporware. Uh, they seem to employ a lot of ex-Tesla folks. In, fire, in fact, they just hired uh, an ex-Tesla VP of something or other as their, their like, head of general counsel. So they've got some ex-Tesla folks on their team, but their CES show back in Jan- showing rather back in January was not a good one. You know, that's not a death sentence by any means. And look how many false starts and how many bumps in the road Tesla hit on their way to getting a car on the road, just the, the roadster that they didn't, you know, that, that they didn't even build, you know, the, the car that they had help on from Lotus, who of course built the gliders. And then, you know, the, the additional challenges that they faced in finally building their own car with the Model S. But it, it just says, but 
what Faraday's uh, CES showing does indicate is that they still have a very long road ahead of them. Uh, you know, we all hope for more. The, the, the more good EV options, the better. Because even if you're a Tesla super fan, the competition will only drive Tesla to be better. Competition is always good. It's the same thing you know, in the video game world. Even if you're a dyed-in-the-wool PlayStation fan, or fanboy, as they, as they are referred to sometimes, you want the Xbox One to be a strong competitor because it just will push your team, your, your preferred console, to do better. It's, it's just the nature of business. It's always good. So hopefully Faraday will be able to get, uh, get their act together and get a, you know, get a car out there uh, sooner rather than later, and, and a good car. But for now, uh, they are, I wouldn't count on, you know, buying anything from them anytime soon. As for everyone else, BMW has started down the path, as we've seen with the i3, the i8, um, and they've got some more initiatives in the works. Porsche is, I hate to say this, but they're still pretenders for the time being. You know, they're saying, oh, well, maybe we'll build the Mission E, and uh, it would probably be this spec, but... You know, no firm commitments from Porsche. Ford has dipped their toe in, so that's a start. And then, of course, Chevrolet has the Bolt. They are the only other company that is, at least in some capacity, along with Nissan and the Leaf. I, of course, can't leave them out. Chevy and Nissan are the, the, the only other two companies right now that are, that are firmly committed to trying to build a good mass-market electric vehicle. And, but at the end of the day, everyone is still way, way behind Tesla, whether it's in the battery technology, the range uh, of the car, the, uh, the charging infrastructure. Everyone's behind Tesla in the charging infrastructure category. And again, th- and this brings me back to my theory that I talked about on episode one, my theory about where ludicrous mode really came from. Now, maybe you think this is just me. Maybe this you think that I'm really reaching here, that this is a total stretch, but hear me out if you didn't hear episode one. Elon won car of the year for Model S. That didn't motivate any of the other car companies to build electric vehicles. Tesla open-sourced their patents. That didn't motivate anybody else to really get serious about EVs. So it is my theory that Elon decided, okay, if I can't uh, passively encourage my, the competitors in the automotive world to build electric vehicles, what choice do you have? Where else can you hit them? Well, you can, you can hit them in the only two places that it hurts, and that's their wallets and their egos. And that's where I think ludicrous mode came from. I think Elon decided to embarrass everyone else into building electric vehicles because he took Tesla's technology and so thoroughly clowned everyone else, whether they're a sedan, a competing sedan, or a supercar. He clowned them all with ludicrous mode and is attempting, I think, to embarrass them into having to build EVs in order to to catch up, in order to to stay toe-to-toe with Tesla in the performance category, which, of course, is a sexy category that consumers like. Now, the other place, again, I mentioned the wallet. And what's the Model S doing? Partially because of that sexy factor, because of that ludicrous mode, 
Uh, it's only part of the reason, but it is part of the reason. And that is that, we, as we know, in 2015, the Model S was the number one selling car in its class in the world. And that is going to make the other car companies pay attention. So uh, those are my thoughts there. We can only hope that the Bolt is going to help move things along, that the next generation Leaf will have you know better range and hopefully better looks, and it won't be such a weird mobile, and that will continue to, to be sold to people. But for now, it is still more or less Tesla lead, lead, you know, with a, I don't want to call it quite a one horse race, but it pretty much is. I mean, we'll see what the Bolt has to say about it as far as, you know, an affordable long range EV. But for now, it's Tesla. All right, that's the end of the mailbag for this week. Again, if you want to participate, you got a question, comment, discussion topic, the toll free number to call or Skype is 1-888-989-8752. And I'll be right back after this to wrap things up. All right, time to hit the road here, but I encourage you to follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan, or you can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you're a video gamer, I'm on IGN.com by day. You can see what I'm up to there. I've uh, usually got my finger in a number of different pies. I've got a t-shirt website that has some video game-inspired and geek-inspired t-shirt designs and a coffee mug. And that site is nerdstyles.com if you're curious to see what I've got over there. Uh, Please subscribe to Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter at teslaweekly.com. Teslarati.com is a fantastic community site uh, run by the Tesla community that's covering all Tesla news. I visit it daily. It is a great site. Gene and the the community, the the crew there, just do a great job of staying on top of Tesla news and uh, and keeping keeping you up to date on the world of Tesla. Uh, Oh, Google Play Music. So if you you are an Android person and you want to listen to the podcast that way, uh, that is a that is a new way you can get the show. The show is now on the Google Play Music Podcasts section, which launched recently. There was a slight problem with last week's episode, where for some reason that I have no idea why, it was showing up as a six minute file. Uh, I emailed Google support, and they fixed it very quickly. Within 24 hours, it was fixed. So you can go to uh, the Google Play music podcast section if you're an Android person and subscribe to the show over there. But of course, most of you get it, I think, either on iTunes or just the RSS feed. And uh, in your Tesla as well, via TuneIn, go to the TuneIn website, search for Tesla Podcast or Ride the Lightning Tesla. You'll find this show. You can follow it there and then it'll be in your favorites when you return to your car, into your Tesla. So, that brings me to the end of episode number 42 for May 22nd, 2016. Again, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. I thank you all, gosh, so much. I just have so much fun doing this every week. Can't believe closing in on that one-year anniversary already. Episode, technically, I guess, 51 would be the one-year anniversary because uh, I've only missed one week so far. When I took one week off over the holidays. But, boy, yeah, it's coming up quick. It's been a blast. It's only getting better as, uh, again, more and more participation from you guys and the Tesla news just, it's, it's not even a, a drip faucet. It is a fire hose, seemingly, every week. So there's always fun stuff to talk about. 
Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I, I genuinely just truly appreciate you and that anybody who takes the time to listen to this. Again, your time is so valuable. I, I thank you for, for lending me an hour of it or so each and every week. And I'll see you all again next week. Happy EV motoring.